Welcome to The Content Lab, the weekly podcast for content marketers about the strategies and tools you need to create addictive content your audience will love. I'm your host, Liz Murphy, Impact's Director of Web and Interactive Content. I spend a lot of time espousing the virtues of creating absurdly helpful inbound marketing content. In fact, in last week's mini-sode, I shared five of my favorite ways to take a dud piece of content from zero to helpful hero. But this week, we're going even deeper with Mark Amagon, a member of Impact Sales Team, to talk about what he believes is the secret ingredient to creating super effective content. Empathy. Why empathy? Well, you'll have to listen to this week's conversation to find out. But without giving too much away, I'll just say that Mark's answer to that question made me say, duh, and holy cannoli, are you kidding me, at the exact same time. Don't forget, of course, to stick around after this episode for the weekly awesome. But without further ado, here is my conversation with Mark. Hello, Mark. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I feel like before I just start talking to you about what we're working on and just like general chit chat, I should probably have you introduce yourself and save me and our audience from that little chit chatty conversation. (laughs) All right. That would be my pleasure. So uh, my name is Mark Amagon. I am a client success manager at Impact. And uh, before I came to Impact, I spent about three years as a social media and content marketing manager at a company called ACIS Educational Tours. And before that, I was director of marketing at a company called Media Silo, which is a software company. Before that, (laughs) I spent about two years at HubSpot as an inbound marketing consultant. And then way before that, uh, my first job out of college, I was a journalist. So I was a student uh, editor of my student newspaper in college. Then my first job out of college was working as a reporter for a newspaper in Brooklyn, New York called the Greenpoint Gazette. And spent a lot of time writing about all kinds of different stuff over the years. So Content marketing has always been a very special thing to me and something I could talk for hours about. So <laughs> I feel like I, you know, I've known you for months now. I've, I first met you when I was still on the sales team as the sales content strategist. And for those who are unfamiliar with Impact, a client, uh, a client success manager, really what they do is they're that first point of contact really after you speak with Mariah, um, who is really dedicated to the success of anybody who either works with impact or is thinking about working with impact. So really diving in, getting to know your challenges, uh, what you're looking to be successful with and and what's standing in your way, what are those barriers to success? But I remember when you first joined uh, impact, one of the things that you and I immediately bonded over was your kind of love and, and affection for my beloved content, which is why I wanted to talk to you today because recently you said something to me that I just, I haven't been able to get out of my head. You know, I last episode, I did a, a mini-sode at the request of a few people internally to talk about what it really means to create helpful content. Um, and that's something that's very important here at Impact because we believe to be inbound or inbound in any way, whether you're talking about marketing, hiring, leadership, but specifically with what I do, uh, marketing and, and content is, is to go out of your way to be helpful, to be obsessed with leading other people to success. But you said to me that the critical factor, that thing that a piece of content, that that will take a piece of content from pretty solid to just out of this world was empathy. And I felt so surprised by it, that answer. 
Um, part of me feels like I should have seen it coming a mile away. But another part of me really wanted to explore that with you today, um, especially with your extensive background to understand why you believe empathy is, is that critical component, that, that secret sauce, if you will, to, to making marketing content, the stuff that really works for people and for organizations. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, I, I mean, I, this is something I felt like I intuitively knew. I mean, I've, I've known myself to be em empathetic and <laughs> maybe, maybe my therapist would say too much so. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely an empath. So that's something that, um, you know, is something that's just, that's just innate to me. But the, when this really hit home, when this really kind of hit me, was um, when I read this quote by a guy by the name of Joe Chernoff, who's a former, he and I overlapped at HubSpot for a little while. He was a VP of marketing at um, Inside Squared for a while. And I believe he recently left that role. But one of the smartest guys in the world of marketing, if you know, I can make that claim. I, I definitely put him up there. And the quote that I read, I'm just going to read it real quick. Joe suggests that brands struggle to create relevant content because they can't empathize. They have a hard time seeing the world through the lens of the buyer. Instead, they insist on trying to persuade the buyer to see the world through their own perspective. Relevant content is a byproduct of empathy. Everything else is just selling. So, so the part of that that really stuck out to me is if they have a hard time seeing the world through the lens of the buyer, instead, they insist on trying to persuade the buyer to see the world through their own perspective. And it's infinitely easier to reach someone, to connect with someone when you see things from their perspective than it is to persuade them to see things through your perspective if you really want to make that connection. Why do you think that is? Why do you think, because what's funny to me is that when you say it out loud, you know, I, I love that quote that you shared and it, it makes total sense. It's always easier to meet someone on their own turf, essentially, than to try to woo them over to your turf when they don't know who you are, don't trust you, have no reason to trust you, don't know anything about you. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a much uh, steeper hill to climb. But I think what's challenging to me is that I always, I, I understand what you mean at a high level by introducing that level of empathy. But what does that look like tactically in practice? You know, that sounds like a great quote someone would put on a poster and hang in a marketing agency. But putting that into practice sounds a lot more challenging. That's a great, great point, Liz. I think that ultimately what that means, especially if you're a content marketer who is not of the world that you're marketing to. So for instance, my last job before I came to Impact, I was marketing to teachers. I was working for the student travel company. I had not a teacher, but my mom is a teacher. We've all been affected by a lot of teachers. Most of us have friends who are teachers or at least interface with teachers at some point in their life. So I could empathize with the struggles that a teacher might face. And it was only when I really spent time thinking about that. And, I, and when I found that to be a motivating factor, that my work really took off and my work really excelled. Because, you know, for instance, my job that I had before ACIS, when I was at Media Silo, the software company, I was marketing to post-production supervisors at broadcast companies. And nothing against those people. I'm, I'm sure they're great people and I, and I wish them well. I don't get out of bed every morning thinking I'm going to make the world a better place for post-production supervisors every day. But, you know, teachers, who couldn't get behind making teachers' lives a little better, helping them out somehow. So that motivation, that, that, that factor of saying, I want to help these people, honestly, I think that is a huge, huge factor in effective content, is if you're going to be happy as a content marketer, 
and you honestly could care less about the people you're trying to help, the people you're trying to empathize, empathize with, it's going to be a really tough slog, honestly. I think you've got to really tap into thinking, okay, who is the human being on the other side of this content that I'm creating? When I write this blog post, who's going to read it and think, wow, my life is so much better. I'm so much, you know, my, my job is easier. My day is improved. I'm going to share this with all my friends because they see, they get it. Like, that's the thing that I was always trying to tap into when I was, when I was ever, I was writing content is I want somebody to read this and be like, wow, these people get me. These people understand the challenges that I face and the, and the problems that I'm trying to solve. And they took time out of their day, this brand, this amorphous, you know, company is trying to get my money somehow. Like they took time out of their day just to help me out by writing this content. And that's what I, that's really what it comes down to when it comes to empathy is like, what is, what can you do that's going to help somebody the most without, you know, short so that you can win their trust. Cause like you said, Liz, it's all about it. That's really the, the key ingredient is trust in all this. Like if you can prove to somebody that you're trustworthy, that's the critical first step towards winning their business. And that's really what good content is all about. So we've talked around the word empathy a lot, but I want to make sure that you and I both clarify it. It, So everybody's kind of on the same page in terms of our shared definition because sympathy and empathy are, you know, often walk hand in hand, but they are not necessarily the same thing. Mm -hmm. So when you're telling someone that they, if they want to create genuinely helpful content that has a better chance of yielding the results that they want, that has a better chance of building trust with their audience, what do you mean by empathy? Absolutely. So I just pulled up the definition um, as to whatever, you know, definition comes up when you Google the word empathy. <laughs> I don't know what, what uh, particular uh, dictionary this is pulling from, but I think this is pretty spot on. The ability to understand and share the feelings of another. So you're understanding how somebody's feeling and you're tapping into that. It's like those feel- their feelings become yours. That's the thing that people who are somewhat overly empathetic, such as myself, struggle with sometimes. It's like, I just can't handle somebody else's anxiety. It becomes my anxiety. And I think you need a little bit of that to be an effective content marketer, honestly, because you need to. So for instance, when I got to ACIS, um, Educational Tours, my previous company, um, I spent a lot of time talking to teachers. I spent a lot of time just getting on the phone with them. We actually invited a you know, group of 10 or so of them in, like not long after I started, which was really lucky for me, because then I got to really be in the room and just observe and just feel like, okay, what are the challenges they're facing? What are, you know, I also had the ability because I was in charge of social media and content, I was able to test things, test ideas and like get a feel for what type of stuff do they share on Facebook? What type of stuff do they look at on Instagram? You know, what are the type of conversations they engage in in a community context? So like I could share their feelings, I can understand what they're feeling and then take it on a little bit and think to myself, okay, if I was a teacher, what would I want to read? If I was a whatever, you know, I think. When you're a marketer that markets to marketers, I think you're really easy. It's you have a really key advantage. Like people, I remember when I worked at HubSpot, that was always a big thing is that our marketing team had this like amazing resource to just like walk down the hall and just like do some market research, you know, right in the same building. But most people can't do that. I think that's really the thing that um, if you're a content marketer listening to this right now, really you have to like make the case to, for me at least, this was the challenge. I mean, it was one thing for me to just say, I'm going to go talk to the teacher. The, the challenge was convincing my boss that it was a worthwhile use of my time and that he should help me do that. And we should organizationally be doing that to, to get in front of these people that we're marketing to talk to them, get some time with them, just like observe and understand what they're feeling so that we can really dive in and really understand what they're, 
what their challenges are so we can hopefully help them solve them. You know, that it, you bring up a good point and something that I've actually never even tied to the concept of empathy, which shows you how emotionally intelligent I am. But one of the things I have always struggled with and one of the things I've always worked with people to help overcome as I've gotten better at it myself is that it's always easy to write to someone like you, but it's infinitely harder to write to someone who isn't you, who has a different set of goals, priorities, pain points perspective. I mean, I remember I used to feel, it used to feel exceptionally painful when I was like a younger, more like marketing coordinator type. And I was having to write to someone who is for lack of a better term above my pay grade. And you want to empathize and you want to, you want to demonstrate a sincere concerted effort to help. But sometimes that empathy doesn't necessarily carry you all that way to authenticity, making you believable, making you seem like a trustworthy source who can actually help someone. But really, that's what it comes down to. And I, one of the biggest things that I see go wrong in a piece of content is when somebody said, like, they never fully commit to writing for the person who's actually on the other side of the screen. There's still a part of them that is still writing for themselves or writing for someone like them or even whether or not they realize that I don't know if you've ever noticed this in other people's writing it's like you can almost tell that they resent the fact that they have to write to someone who isn't them you know what I mean yeah absolutely absolutely I think that's the challenge that so many so much unsuccessful marketing needs to overcome is that it's not about it's not about you you know it's like and I don't mean people specifically I mean like the brand I think that brands need to get over themselves a little bit and think to themselves, okay, like it's not about convincing people that we're the best or that, you know, we are better than their, the, who they're currently using or, or us, you know, it's about making sure that it's, it's about getting through to the person that says, okay, you're facing this challenge. You know, like, of course, like you, you know, let me convince you that I understand your challenges. I think that should be like the first, the first step. It's like convince the end, the, the reader, or the buyer, the, the prospect, whoever you want to call it, convince them that you get them, that you understand what challenges they're facing. Once they believe you, once they believe, oh, these people really understand who I am and like what I'm all about, then they'll trust you. Then they'll read your content. Then they'll listen to you. Then they'll, you know, they'll evaluate your product or service. You know, if, unless you can do that, then they, they, whatever, you could have the best product, the best pitch, the best whatever in the world. Nobody, nobody will ever get to that point with you because it's just not there, you know, it's just like, they're, they're not, you have to win, people have to, you have to earn the right for people to listen to you, for people to believe in, in what you're trying to tell them. And that doesn't, that doesn't come easily these days with all the, the, the competing interests for people's attention. What would you say to someone then who is saying, you know, maybe they're listening along right now, nodding along saying, Mark, I like what you're saying, man. I smell what you're stepping in. I get it. I like it. I love it. Let's do it. But my biggest barrier right now is I feel that in, a, in authenticity, when I try to reach across the aisle or speak to the audience that I'm trying to reach to, like, I don't know what my first steps are to get in the mindset of the person I'm trying to reach. You know, I've done the buyer persona research, but it's just not, something is still not clicking in my content. So the first thing I would do is, is you know, get very just get very immersive, you know, just like start talking to people, start, start get, engaging people in conversation either online or via phone, or if you can in person, 
get as much time in front of or with people that you're trying to market to as possible. And just, and just be point blank about it. Be like, listen, I'm, I'm trying to market to people like you and I don't know how to come off as authentic. Like, can you help me? Most people, you know, this is my experience at ACIS when I was marketing to teachers, Te- you know, teachers are always trying to like impart their wisdom to anybody who ever listened to them. And most people are never that interested. So they were honored when I asked them, you know, for feedback, they were on, they were, they were excited at the opportunity to talk to me about them. You know, nobody ever asked a teacher to, to actually give them, you know, advice. Like, you know, like that's, that's like their whole job, you know, but it doesn't matter. It depends, it, you know, regardless of the industry you're in, people are honored to be asked a lot of the time, you know, you have to just, you have to approach it, not from a, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something. I want something from you more of like, Hey, I'm trying to do a better job, you know, helping people like you, what would be most helpful to you? Like, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing? Like if, if somebody comes and stops you on the street and says, Hey, what are the top five challenges that you face every day? And what would do, what would help you overcome them? Chances are you're going to take the time to answer that question because like, if at the end of that, at the end of that conversation is a potential solution, then, you know, that you've got something in it for you as well. How do you keep from writing to yourself? I think the, you know, I think you have to kind of, I've heard some people describe it as like a dispassionate, um, a dispassionate analysis of the feedback or of the comments. You know what I mean? So like, if you give, if you write something, you send it to you know different members of your target audience and say, give me your honest, be blunt, give it to me straight feedback and see what they say. I think you need to, I, you have to just kind of be willing to be, to suck, to be honest with you. You have to be willing to suck at it before you're going to get good at it. And just, and be, take that, that, um, that kind of mastery approach of saying like every blog post I write, every, you know, ebook, every, whatever piece of content you're putting out there, you know, every time I do this, I'm going to get a little bit better but you have to really seek out that feedback. You have to like, that's another thing that people can really do to help build this, build this muscle is just get, you know, write something and then send it to people on a one-to-one basis. Like, you know, trying to identify a group of people that are, you know, are smart, that you know are, are in the target audience that you're trying to reach and say, Hey, I wrote this and I want your individual feedback on this. I'm not, you know, I see, I'm seeking you out because you're smart. You're in my target audience. You're the type of person I want to reach. Like, give it to me straight. Do you think this works? Does it not? Not everybody's going to get back to you. It's not going to be a hundred percent success rate, but the people that are, are going to, it's just going to be so valuable for you. What would you say that empathy, like when we talk about, we talked a lot about how empathy manifests itself positively, but what are some of the things that a well-meaning marketer might do in an effort to show and demonstrate empathy? that actually is something you wouldn't recommend doing? Like any sort of tactical no-nos or rookie mistakes that you see commonly? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say, like, don't make it so that the, make it so obvious that the only reason why you're doing this is to win more business or to do something like you really need to be helpful. You really need to kind of come through and say, hey, like, I am actually doing this for you because I care about you and I care about your success. I think that's the, that's, that's got to be there. And if that isn't there, people are going to sniff that out and be completely, you know, dismissive of whatever you're trying to do. So. Well, what do you think it is that they can sense? Like, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, when you, when you're standing and you're talking to somebody like person to person, it's really easy to kind of sniff that stuff out. You can see it in body language and eye contact, whether or not it's there, the tenor of their voice or how they may or may not laugh. You know, you can kind of suss that out, but often you suss it out 
from what is not explicitly said, but all of the right. context around it. Right. So what would you say are some of the hallmarks of that content that doesn't say, you know, somebody wants to create content that says, you know, we're in this together, you're the hero of this, and I genuinely want to help you. But what is the opposite of that? And what does that look like? Because all you have to rely upon in that moment are your words. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I would say, and this is something that when I was at Media Silo, the company that marketed to post-production supervisors at broadcast companies, this is, they had a very high barometer for, you know, like a very keyed in barometer, I should say, for does this person know their stuff or not? You know, is this person a phony or are they just trying to win our business? And I think the thing to do in that situation is to really just do your homework and don't, don't think you can get away with, you know, kind of sugarcoating something and saying like, well, everybody who works in this industry is like this or like drawing a really broad stroke, like brushing with a broad stroke and saying, okay, well, you know, like I think I'm going to make this assumption about this large group of people and I'm going to base it off stereotypes or I'm going to do a little bit of research and then not suss that out and not kind of fact check it. And then have that be what ultimately informs your, your direction or informs what your, the statements that you're making. So it's like, you know, for to give an example about teachers, like, so all teachers, you know, only care about X or something like that. Like all teachers only care about getting out of school on time and, you know, like not having to do as much work or whatever. So like, we're going to help you do that. And then here's our best resource to help you save time during the day because we know that, you know, that's the only thing you care about. Like a lot of teachers are going to look at that and be like, well, like, did anybody, did they ask any teachers if that's actually what they care about? Did they talk to one person and said like, oh, that's what I care about. So then they think that every teacher, all the millions of teachers out there think that way. Like that's obvious, you know, that's the thing that I think is also why this stuff falls flat is when people don't do the legwork to really understand people and, and make, uh, you know, make decisions based off of that and not make decisions based off assumptions. Like ultimately you're going to have to you know, take a thin slice and extrapolate, but the more that you can really build off of something that's based on reality, the better. Yeah. And I'd also say from a tactical perspective too, this is, this is something really simple and really easy, but a really quick way to demonstrate that you're kind of phoning it in is to rely upon or use cliches, especially in your introduction. Right, like there's some course. phrases that just make the brain turn off and it's not necessarily like someone will, you know, consciously throw their hands up and be like, this is stupid. I heard, I saw one cliche and now I don't believe them. But science shows that people kind of turn the brains off. It's right. lazy language. That means you have not gone out of your way to, you know, figure out the right words to say something or you can't figure out a way to say something more simply. You know, they're great crutches, but they're crutches when you can't think of something else to say. Um, one of the things that always drives me nuts, and this is a quick sign to me that somebody has just decided, you know, you said earlier, one of the most important ways to show empathy in writing is to very quickly and immediately demonstrate that you have a clear understanding of your problem, of someone's problem. And the quickest way not to do that is to begin with, in this ever-changing world of blank, in the ever-evolving landscape of blank. Yep. That language to me in the introduction said somebody literally had no idea how to start this. Or, like, or just something that's just like so basic, you know? So like if somebody was marketing to like content marketers and was like, so like video is the next big thing. Like it's just like, yeah, we've all read that blog post a million times. Can know? I also just have like a side note rant here? It yes. isn't the next big thing. It's freaking here. Video has been here for a while. That's like saying 
I don't know. What's the, Britney Spears is the next big thing. No, this has already occurred. It is here. It is happening. That is a side rant. I am now done with it. (laughs) I'm just so tired of people being like, video is the next big thing. See, there you go. If if you're, if a marketing, somebody who was trying to market to marketers started a blog with that, you would immediately dismiss them as being like, well, this person has no idea what they're talking about. They were just trying to capitalize on some trend. They didn't do their homework. I don't trust them now, you know? That was a perfect example. See what see that see what reaction that just elicited. You know, like oh that's what I'm talking about. That's like <laughs> it's a it's a visceral thing. You know, like when when you when somebody when somebody makes a statement that you agree with, if the opposite end of that spectrum, if somebody comes out with some insight that you're just like, oh my god, wow, I hadn't even thought of that. Now I am so tuned into what this person has to say. I am so like I would do anything this person says because. They've proven to me, they understand, they get it. They're even further along than I am in my journey. Like all of that stuff. I think that is, that's the opposite of the reaction you just had is what we're, is what people should be aiming for, you know? Yeah. What are some other things that kind of turn you off personally? Like when you see it, you're like, guys, you had such a chance here to make this awesome and look what you've done. I think, I think that there's basically, uh, you know, there's a certain amount of, just kind of like, like you said, using cliches, also um, just kind of, you know, almost like trivializing things or making things like seem like they're, they're like, it's, it's, they can be essentialized. And then I think that it's just kind of saying, okay, this is the, uh, you know, this topic is this big, important topic that takes up a huge chunk of your life, but I'm just going to distill it down to like one or two sentences. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the, that's the, the thing that really pisses me off the most, honestly, is like when people are like, well, you know, this is like, if I had to simplify it all down to this, this is what it would be. And then you're just thinking to yourself, well, that doesn't really account for this. It doesn't account for that. Like, there's just when people don't know how to keep the, allude to the big picture and allude to the, you know, the, the whole, the whole side of things. Mm-hmm. What would advice would you give to someone who, who still struggles in a way to speak plainly, you know, because I think sometimes one, at least one of the ways I see this positively manifest itself is when I see someone who, you know, I, I use cliches from time to time, sometimes they serve a purpose, but who, who struggles to kind of speak plainly to speak more like a human being. Mm-hmm. How do you get yourself into that human mindset? What, what advice would you yeah. give to someone who's trying to do that for themselves? I like to, that's a really great point. And I think that's actually something that I, I think about often because of the nature of my job is that I'm often to explain marketing services that impact delivers or just marketing trends in general to people who aren't always that, you know, up to speed on marketing. So I have to, I have to distill it down. I have to, I have to make it, in, make it accessible, essentially. And one of the greatest exercises that I always think of doing that is explain it to somebody like, like I'll talk to my wife about it or I'll talk to my mom about it or not to say that my mom and my wife aren't two of the smartest people I know. They just don't live in the world that I do, you know? Like, my wife is an education researcher. She could talk for education stuff all day about, you know, all this stuff about pedagogy and et cetera, et cetera, and it would fly over my head, you know? So it's like, how can, how can I make it so that somebody like her can understand it who does not spend her whole day thinking about marketing or thinking about whatever it is that you're trying to sell? Like, take somebody who has zero experience in this field and see if you can, see if you can make it simple for them to understand and then, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to go all the way down to like a fourth grade reading level necessarily, because, you know, if you're marketing people in a given industry, 
but there are certain ways that people in a given industry will speak and will want to be spoken to that you have to tune into if you're going to be trusted. You know, if, if you use a, a certain terminology, a certain word that nobody ever would use in a given industry, it just is a huge red flag that you're an outsider and that you're not trustworthy. So, you know, think of it, think of it, how can you, you know, like think of how can you, how can you make it easy for anybody to understand, but then also make sure that you're doing it in a way that the people who you're really trying to reach are going to, are going to look for it to be spoken to. What are your, some of your favorite resources that you go to in terms of whether you're talking about inspiration or somebody who's doing it really well? Um, so when it comes to like for inspiration of like where I, like, so if I was a marketer looking for how to like research this stuff. So I, you know, I was, it's interesting. I had a conversation with a client earlier today who's asking me about how to boost his organic Facebook page reach. And, um, I know that it's not like it's related, but it really is. So basically he was saying like, okay, you know, our, our Facebook page is not getting as much traction as it could be. What can I be doing to improve it? And I scrolled through his Facebook page and it was pretty much exclusively content only from his, uh, from his brand. So his brand was the one that was like all, you know, I won't name the company, but it was all of like brand X, like the brand X Facebook page all the content was published by Brand X. It was all just content alluding to his own brand. And it's kind of like the classic, you know, cocktail party analogy for social media. If you meet somebody at a cocktail party and all they do is talk about themselves, you're going to think this person's really arrogant and self-centered and I'm going to go talk to somebody else. But if you talk to somebody who has all kinds of interesting things to say and every now and again, they sprinkle in a couple of things about themselves, they think, wow, this is the most interesting person I've talked to all night. So you have to think about that from social media, but then also from a content and empathy perspective, honestly, when I was at ACIS and I was managing their Facebook page, that's where I got so many of my ideas for what makes teachers tick and what makes them the way that they think, the way that they communicate. So it's like tapping into certain resources, whether on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, look, you know, looking at, you know, maybe if you're in a B2B space, you're probably not going to look on those channels. You're more going to be on places like LinkedIn, different LinkedIn groups or different forums within a given industry that can say, okay, like what are people thinking about? What are people, how are they communicating with each other? What are, the, what are the things that are keeping people up at night that they're so motivated? They're going to get on LinkedIn. They're going to get on forum, whatever, and talk to their peers about it. Like that is the most, that is the best thing you can tap into. If you're a content creator, it's finding out what is the, what's, what's happening in the conversation in those circles. You know, if you see conferences are going on in a given industry, what are the keynotes about? What are the different topics that people are talking about? You know, like that's the, that type of thing will inform so much of this stuff. And it can be daunting. Like I remember when I started at MediaCell and I knew nothing about, you know, production, the production world. And I thought to myself, oh, wow, like how am I going to learn all this stuff? But I, I just surrounded myself with people like every, I, once a week I would meet with um, the support team. The account manager it was very, they ask you answer. I met with different people within our company who really were immersed in that world and said, what should I write about this week? And they would just kind of, you know, shoot the shit with me for a bit, just rail off a bunch of ideas about all the different things that they were thinking about, the things that were happening in the industry. And one or two of those things that they would just kind of mention offhandedly turned into be great content ideas for me because I would just take that and I would research it. I would show it to them before I posted it to you know, edit for content and for tone. And that's how, that's how I did it. That's some really good advice. You know, I, I think what I really like about that is really, it's really talking about like find out where those virtual water coolers are 
and any kind of evidence, you know, that you can kind of scrape out of there is always exceptionally helpful. One yes. of my favorite things to do is, and this is a little trick I taught myself and, and anybody at Impact who's had the, had the pleasure or misfortune, depending on how excited they are to create content, to work with me knows is that whenever we're doing, whether it's a piece of pillar content or a singular blog article or, or something else that we're writing together, it doesn't matter if it's phrased this way. I always ask somebody to define what the problem is that they're solving in a piece. Because mm -hmm. even if you're doing a review about a particular product or a new application, or you're talking about the pros and the cons, there is still always a problem that somebody is trying to solve by reading it. Even if they're trying to accomplish a goal, it's still a problem to solve because they haven't accomplished it yet. Yep. And I found by really forcing myself every single time, sometimes it's really obvious and it's more of like a reflexive exercise, but other times it's a lot more um, helpful for me to figure out what that problem is. So for example, um, we're working on a pillar right now, myself, Kathleen Booth, our VP of marketing, and Brie Rangel, who is our VP of services. We are working on one about hiring top performing marketers. And it's around the, uh, the keyword of marketing interview questions. Now on its surface, what we had written down was marketing interview questions. That's what the pillar is. That's what the piece is about. This is what we're working on. But for the first 20 minutes, what we did was we decided we wanted to dive in and figure out what problem it was that we were solving. And that is people who know that they need top performing marketers have potentially either brought in not top performing marketers in the past, experienced a high rate of churn, or are looking to eliminate that learning curve. And that was the problem that we were trying to solve. And really that's what keeps people up at night. You know, you have this great idea, you know you need the right people on the bus in the right seats, but finding the right people is a lot easier said than done. So it, it, that little trick in my head has helped me exponentially and I force myself to do it every single time, no matter how obvious a topic might be. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, if you can write content, that's going to ultimately help, you know, be attributed to helping solve somebody's problem, then nobody's ever going to read your content. That's mm -hmm. what it comes down to. You know, like if you're, if you're going to, you know, I think a lot of the time people that struggle with this, it's really going to be because of the pushback they're going to get from superiors. So like if your CEO, your VP, whoever is saying, so wait, you want to write a blog post about what? Like you want to spend time doing what to understand? You want to chat with our customers? You want to put a focus group together? Like why would I want to do this? It's like, well, the more people that trust us, the more people that read our content, the more potential leads we're going to get, the more potential leads we're going to get, the more business we're going to close, the more business we're going to close, the better we're all going to look. And the easier it's going to be to attribute this all to the marketing and the work that we're doing as marketers. You know, I think that's such a huge part of every marketer's job is to just be able to prove what that they were doing, that they're doing is valuable. And I think that's such a, that's such a difficult thing. And as an agency too, of course, you know, we're very much incentivized to say, this is the work we did and here's the revenue it helped produce. And I think that's really, you know, you have to really be able to sell this internally as this is going to help us get more revenue. This is going to help us grow. If we understand our, our target audience, if we can empathize with our target audience that much better, more people will listen to us, more people will ultimately buy from us. And that's why Mr. and Mrs. VP or CEO, like you should give me this opportunity to go and do this. And I think, you know, it's also people could also be saying, well, 
I'm a very busy marketer. You know, I'm a one person marketing team or I'm a two person marketing team or I'm the only content marketer. And then content is just one of many things I have to do. Like all of these things that I've certainly dealt with in my career. And again, like if you don't put in this time, like you may think to yourself, how am I going to make time for this? If you don't put in this time, then it's just, you're always going to be kind of trying to catch up for it later on. If you don't really understand your target audience, if you don't really have buyer personas that are based off of something that is real, that is data driven, then you're always going to be playing defense because you're just always going to be taking your best stab at something as opposed to making it something that's really going to, you know, is going to hit the mark because of the work you put in. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, it almost makes me wonder, you know, if you have to work too hard to sell your, your leadership team on the notion of we need to be more empathetic and understanding of the people we're trying to reach, then why are you even doing inbound? Like what exactly was it that they were expecting you were going to do with inbound and content marketing if you weren't going to be as empathetic and the best as possible and the best educators in your space as possible with by demonstrating a genuine desire to understand and help people? Because I think that's the one thing, you know, when I think about, you know, the times where I struggle, I've struggled to write to an audience that isn't necessarily my native audience, you know, people like me, people like you, people who, who live and breathe this stuff every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I've noticed that even if I, it's always clear that I am not living in their shoes. But if I, if I make a genuine, sincere effort in my content to demonstrate as best to my ability and understanding of what they are going through, that still is good enough because they're not expecting me to be them. They're expecting me to be someone who understands them and with, and with my own perspectives and expertise can help them solve those problems. Absolutely. Or at the very least, you can talk to some, one of them, you know, you can interview one of them. You can, you can document the fact that you reached out to one of them and you interviewed them and you asked them about their challenges and you talked to them and said, Hey, you know, from where I said, this is what it seems like could be a big challenge in your world. Like, tell me about it. You know, I think that's something that I used to do all the time when I was at ACS and also when I was at Media Fellow is I would just document, you know, the interviews that I was doing with teachers and saying like, this is, here's one of you essentially, you know, like here target audience, here's one, here's one of you, here's what they told me about your life. What do you think? You know, I think that's a, that's another, a great shortcut that a lot of people could be taking. Is it a, it'll give you an opportunity to better understand them in the process, but then it's content that is, you know, you're, you're out of the way at that point. You're just a facilitator. Like you're taking somebody who's supposed to, you're holding up as an example to the target audience that says, Hey, these people are doing things this way. What do you think? Would you do it differently? You know, do you, do you want to just join in and celebrating this person with the rest of us? You know, whatever, wherever the case may be. So one of the other things I like to do with that though, is um, whenever I feel like I don't have a good handle on like, what is it? Like maybe I generally or in the abstract understand what kind of challenge somebody has. And I really want to get that kind of validation. Often I'll go to someone like you. I'll go, I'll go to someone who's a member of our sales team, people who are talking to our prospects every single day. And I, 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 I will always say this until my last dying breath as a marketer, but I, I always feel like the sales team is the most underutilized marketing resource that a company ever has. Preach, you know, please, like preach. Marketers will, 
marketers will get together and ping pong around each other in a conference room like, what are they actually saying? What do they actually think? What do our prospects actually want to know? What are their problems? And guess what? Your sales team knows because they talk to them every single day. Every (laughs) single day. That is so true. Oh my God. That is so true. Yeah, I know. I I think that was one of the the things that I, I... when I got to impact and I saw that you were, you know, making time to meet with everybody on the sales team on a regular basis, just being like, so just tell me, just talk to me, just brain dump all you want. I want to know everything that you're doing with that you're struggling with. I was like, wow, like they really get it here. They really understand what a resource we have at our disposal. And I was actually having a conversation with one of our executives earlier today being like, Hey, like let's not make decisions based off of like, you know, Saying, okay, well, our exe- you know, one or two executives have a strong opinion, so we're just going to run with that. Like, talk no. to us, you know? Like, we're, we know this stuff, you know? We're in the trenches. We understand, you know? We, there's insights that we don't have that the people on the executive level are going to have, and they're going to talk about and bring to the table. But then we also have insights that they don't have, you know? There's got to be some a, a back and forth there. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. Yeah, marketers hear me now. I'm just going to say it one more time. Like, stop holding three hour brainstorm sessions where you're hoping somebody magically becomes a mind reader and knows exactly what your prospect is thinking. When you literally have those people down the hallway from you or a zoom or Uber conference away from you who talk to these people every day, every single day. (laughs) It's true. It's true. And I think, you know, I can also hear some marketers saying, as you say that Liz, like, well, Last time I talked to the sales team, they didn't have that many good ideas or they didn't really get what I was trying to do. And you got to work with them. You know, you got to show them what the end result is. You got to tell them, okay, like, yes, it's interesting to me for you to tell me X, Y, and Z, but here's, here's where I'm trying to get to. Show them the path, you know, show them this is, you know, what, what I need from you is this. I need you to tell me what are the challenges people are facing? What's their day to day like? What's their, what's their, you know, yeah. what, what help them bring them along in that process essentially. Because not every salesperson knows anything at all about inbound marketing. Not every salesperson knows anything at all about content. So you have to really work with them in a partnership. Yeah. And I also think you have to just validate their expertise, not in terms of, you know, falsely lifting them up. But, you know, you have to recognize like, hey, you know, I'm taking time out of your day and, you know, valuable selling time. This is the value of that. You know, the reason why is because, I either have a, an overall general gap in expertise or I'm working on a specific thing that we think will be valuable in terms of bringing new leads in for you guys, but I need your help. Really, I really like what you said there about explicitly connecting those dots for people, but I think also making sure the sales team understands that they are a critical part of the marketing team because you guys have, you know, marketing and sales have shared goals. And I'm going to cut myself off after this sentence because I feel like you and I could just do another episode about sales and marketing alignment. Yes. But yes, I, you know, I think sometimes people forget that sales and marketing are aligned together along the same goal of driving revenue and growth for a company. And you need to talk to each other in order to make those, those moves really happen in any sort of sustainable way. And I think that is particularly true in content. Whether it's like, I have a specific question about a particular persona. What are you hearing from, you know, VP Vincent or whomever? You know, what are they actually saying? You know, this is what I assume they're saying, but, you know, prove me wrong. Tell me I'm wrong or, or tell me I'm right. Or, you know, I need, I've heard from the sales team or I've noticed that a lot of them are, are, a lot of these pieces of content are getting used in the sales process. Why? What's missing? Yes, absolutely. I had an amazing conversation with Zach Bassner just the other day. 
because he made a bunch of videos for us or he helps make, you know, lead the, the charge to make a bunch of videos for us. And the videos just haven't been getting used that much. And we talked, we had an honest conversation about it. And I give Zach so much credit because he said, it's not about, you know, like, well, we spent a bunch of time making these videos. I need to convince the sales team to use them. It's like, tell me guys, like, what is going on here? We need to be good at this stuff. We need to be our best own best case study when it comes to video. Mm -hmm. If these videos aren't working, tell me what videos we do need, you know? And we had a really honest conversation, gave him some good feedback, gave him some direction. And we're on our way to creating the videos that we do need. You know, to say that the videos we have aren't great. I'm just saying, you know, they, the messaging was, was a little off. There wasn't that dialogue at the beginning of the process that said, he didn't come to the sales team and said, hey, sales team, what videos do you need? He basically took the, you know, a strategy and, and just ran with it without that. So now we're sitting here with videos that aren't getting used. So, you know, again, you have to do the legwork at the beginning. There's it ultimately, there's no shortcut around it. It's just, it's, it's not in anyone's interest to, to, to cut that part out of the process. Yeah. So I know we've covered a lot of ground today. And my hope is that people who are listening to this are feeling as inspired as I am to be more focused in terms of being an empath in my own copywriting. But we've talked, again, we've talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of different tactics, techniques, ideas, quotes, theories. What is one thing someone could start doing this afternoon, tomorrow morning, in terms of creating marketing content that would make that content instantly better based on what we're talking about? I would say set a goal to talk to somebody from your target audience or from your, the people you're trying to reach, whether it's a client, a prospect, et cetera. Get them on the phone, talk to them in person, email with them to engage in some kind of dialogue. Do that once a week. If you can, do, if you can talk to a different person in some form or fashion once a week, you will be amazed at how quickly you're going to learn, you're going to gain insights that you can bring back to other parts of your company. That was one of the coolest things about when I went through this exercise at ACIS is I started bringing this up in meetings where we talk about other things, as if we'd be talking about some kind of strategy for a campaign or for a product or something. And I'd be able, well, you know, I just talked to this person the other day and they told me this. And, you know, I think because of that, we should base it off of that. And then all of a sudden there are people are looking at me like, why are you talking to all these people all the time? Like, how are you gaining so much valuable insight? Like, you know, like that's something that I think will make any marketer instantaneously more valuable to their team and make their, the work that they do that much better. If they can just be the person that is more ingrained in the, in the, the, the daily life of their clients. I think that's something that could, if you could set a goal to talk to one new person every week, that's just going to have a ripple effect throughout the rest of your marketing. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. If people have any other questions or just want to say hi, how can they find you? Well, uh, people can tweet at me. My uh, Twitter handle is just my name, Mark, M-A-R-C, and last name is Amagon, A-M-I-G-O-N-E. People can send me an email at mamagon at impactbnd.com. Um, or just, uh, I don't know, any other, any other, through any other channel that they interact with impact, they can just carry your pigeon, smoke signal, whatever, whatever you want. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Mark. I really appreciate it. And hopefully I get to talk to you again soon. My pleasure, Liz. Thanks for having me. Uh Uh-huh. For this week's Weekly Awesome, I'm going to toot my own horn. Last Wednesday, I published an article that I think will really help a lot of you guys out as we go into the holiday season. 68, you heard that correctly, 68, 68 blogging prompts to help you get over writer's block. It's across a wide range of topics. I'm covering everything from price, comparisons, problems, trends, versus posts, and much, much more. 
I know firsthand that putting together a content calendar is hard, and this article will make your life a lot easier if you're looking to breathe a little extra life into your Q4 2018 and Q1 2019 editorial plans before we all fall face first into the metaphorical pumpkin pie that is the holiday season. Where can you find this gem? You can find it by going to impactbnd.com and simply searching for 68 blogging prompts in the little search bar at the top. Or you can go to our website and check out the show notes for this episode. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this. Even if you're not struggling right now, you may want to bookmark this article for a rainy day. Okay, that's all, folks, for this week. Don't forget to leave a review for Content Lab and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your provider of choice. It helps me know what's working and what isn't, in addition to helping others find this podcast. And don't forget, you can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at NapTownPint. But until next week, talk to you then.